Welcome to the Startup Climb Podcast, where we learn from the journey of startup founders. I'm your host, Ehun. Join us as we converse with founders to find out what it takes to run a startup. On this episode, we have Wei, CEO and co-founder of Atlas. Atlas is a Web3 startup looking to engineer the future of gaming by leveraging Web3 to unlock the next level of experiences. Hi Wei, thank you for being on the podcast. So before we begin, could you please provide like our listeners with a brief overview of your background and your company Atlas? Hey, hey, nice to meet you. Happy to be here. My name is Wei. And maybe I'll just share a little bit about myself and as well as the, as the company Atlas, right? So I started my career in banking in Credit Suisse to be specific. And I, I did the whole Wall Street stint uh, and realized that actually, you know, just like the financial sector was, didn't really resonate with me, right? Uh, it was a lot about getting rich people to be richer. And I, I wanted a little bit more meaning in my career. And at that time, uh, Google was just starting up in APAC and they, they headhunted me and said, hey, look, you know, do you want to come and work for, for a tech startup? And at that time, tech startups weren't that big yet. Uh, even Google wasn't that big yet. But, you know, uh, I resonated with what they stood for, right? You know, they were all about, you know, you can be professional without a suit. And, you know, I came from Wall Street, right? So there were suits everywhere. Um, you could, you know, do cool things that you love. You could make an impact on the world. And so I joined Google. Uh, long story short, stayed there for a bunch of years, uh, worked on products like YouTube, worked on products like Google+, Plus, worked on products like uh, Search. And after that, decided that uh, I wanted to go even smaller, right? Google was a great place to work. It was, uh, it was full of great talent. But, you know, if you wanted to really make a big disproportionate impact on the world, you kind of would need to go smaller and smaller, right? And at that point, a little Southeast Asian uh, startup called Grab Taxi. Uh, Grab Taxi later on became uh, what we know today as Grab, the super app, and uh, and they were just starting out their 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 scene in, in Singapore uh, as their HQ to be exact. And so um, I joined them uh, roughly about eight years ago. Uh, saw them through the IPO, saw them through a bunch of uh, ups and downs, including acquiring Uber's Southeast Asia business, inclu- including the IPO, including becoming the app that we love and use daily today. And at that point, I decided that maybe time to again repeat the process I, I just mentioned, I was just like, keep going smaller. But I did, I then started my own startup, right? I started my own startup called Atlas. And what Atlas is, is Atlas is an attempt to use blockchain technology to uh, really reinvent the way we think about entertainment and gaming, right? And so the analogy I often quote uh, to people is, uh, there were two massive waves of dis- waves of disruption to the gaming industry uh, uh, in the last thirty years. Right, the first was when the internet first started. When the internet uh, came, uh, games was disrupted fundamentally around how you think about multiplayer modes. Right, all of a sudden you stop playing uh, against a computer, you start playing with other people, you start playing in in multi and multiplayer environment, and that that really re reimagined the gaming experience. Fast forward 20 years later, uh, the, the first uh, mobile phone started get, getting commercial success. And all of a sudden, mobile gaming became a thing, right? Basically bringing gaming with you on the go versus just uh, playing on a, on a PC or on a console at home. And that, I think, what really revolutionized the world as well. And, and I think that the next wave of revolution is essentially blockchain, right? What can you do with asset ownership? What can you do when you marry finance with gaming? And what can you do with interoperability? And so what Atlas wants to do is it wants to take these concepts and Web3 
and find ways to sort of weave that into the gaming experience for, for all gamers uh, worldwide. And, uh, and in that process, um, essentially build uh, a meaningful and uh, high value startup. Right. So maybe I think you mentioned your history in both um, Google and Grab. So you were at Grab before you jump over to Web3. How do you even discover Web3 in the first place? And was there an issue or a problem that you wanted to solve? And mm. specifically, you know, like starting your own startup. Mm. So interestingly, um, okay, so I think it's a two-part answer, right? First is sort of what's my background with gaming? Interesting fact. I, uh, back in the day, many, many years ago, uh, I almost quit school. I almost quit, quit college to go pro in uh, Dota, right? Dota is, is, is a game, uh, it's a 5v5 uh, MOBA, if, for, for those who are familiar with that term. And uh, me and my, my squad, we thought we were quite passionate and quite good at it. We, we almost went pro. Luckily, we didn't because we, we got our ass handed over to us uh, in pro tournaments. Uh, but, but you know, I've always been a gamer, right? And, and so I, I, I resonated with the ethos of games being like a form of entertainment that is just evergreen and, and very valuable. On blockchain, um, what I think uh, really fascinated me about blockchain, so I've been sort of uh, investing in Bitcoin, investing in Ethereum for, for a long time now, right? Uh, but sort of from an investor perspective, right? But what really started... Uh, catching my attention around the application of blockchain meets uh, technology uh, is, is really the rise of GameFi, right? I, I looked at uh, players like Axie Infinity back in like 2019. And so what they were doing around uh, marrying the concept of finance and games, but more importantly, this idea of asset interoperability, right? And, 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 and if you're a gamer, you understand this pain point I quote, right? Which is, you like the, the biggest problem with getting too attached to a game is you grind at the game, you collect highly valuable items in that game, and when you lose interest, all of that is lost. Right? Like it is a captive ecosystem, right? So you could be level 200 in Clash of Clans, you could have spent thousands of dollars on it, but if tomorrow you say, I'm done, I don't want to play Clash of Clans anymore, let's go play some other game, you lose everything in there, your progress, your items, your experience, uh, your, your activity, right? And, and it's always been something that nags at me because I'm just like, why is it that you start from ground zero on every new game you play, right? Why couldn't some things port over? Why couldn't we even port over even a single item, right? So I, I, I guess that was really the concept that got me thinking about what the applications of Web3 and blockchain are with regards to a real pain point that players face or gamers face in, in today's sort of Web2 uh, captive markets. Right. So I think it's an interesting point to note, especially when you want to move items or assets from one game to the other. Maybe could you just share more about how Atlas come into the picture in this like shifting of assets, maybe like from one game to another so that, you know, I don't start from ground zero. At least I start from somewhere where I can bring in some of my items that I work hard uh, to acquire into the next game that I'm interested to play. Got it. Yeah, I'll give a very simple example, right? Using two games that Atlas has developed. So Atlas has a game called Como Valley. Como Valley is a cute collector game where you collect little dragons, right? Uh, and, you know, they have different rarities and you collect them a little bit like Pokemon, but without the back. So that's game one. Game two is a idle restaurant game, right? So think of Hot Pot Story, right? So it, it's essentially a, a, a pizza chef who uh, 
inherited a rundown restaurant and you're supposed to upgrade the restaurant and like cook interesting food to serve to your customers, right? So these two games both use Atlas's uh, proprietary IP, which is Komos. Uh, Komos are these cute, lovable dragons that we created. And, and for a user who uh, plays Como Valley and just discovered Como Cafe, my pizza story, what we do as a form of interoperability is we say, look, if you have played enough Como Valley, you would have essentially this character called King Bee, right? It's a little black, black Como with like a little crown. And if you own a King Bee, we'd recognize it as an NFT. And, and what it does is if you also have the other game, we would unlock a special uh, avatar for you. It looks like King Bee, but in the new game. Right. And so whenever I say interoperability, some people will always push back and they say, hey, look, you know, full interoperability is not possible. You mess with the unit economics of the game. The game mechanics is different. And, and my, my response is always very simple. I'm like, the, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step, right? I'm not asking you to take everything in World of Warcraft and make it playable in Diablo 4, right? No, no one's asking for that. But could you have a legendary mount in World of Warcraft, at least unlock a skin that hopefully looks a bit like the legendary mount in Diablo 4, right? Is that too much to ask for? And if you do, will you now attract a new cohort of World of Warcraft players who are now somewhat loyal to you at the start of the game because they feel like they have ported their progress over versus just acquiring users from scratch, right? And in the example I shared around Como Valley and, and my pizza story, or Como Cafe, um, we saw an uplift of 30% retention uh, from the cohorts that actually moved from Como Valley to the other game, right? And that's because, you know, if they resonated with the genre of game, they resonated with the IT of the game, and now they feel like they are vested in the progress because they've already unlocked something special in the new game on the get-go. Obviously, as you can tell, it's intuitive that they will be a little bit more loyal uh, in the new game. So that's kind of how we think about interoperability using blockchain technology. Right. So I think um, this gives the listeners like a better understanding of, of Atlas and, and Web3 in general. So maybe I would like to move it on to the next section, which is really in the past few years, there were a lot of talk, some good, some bad, about Web3, leading to essentially a search in many, many different Web3 projects. So how does Atlas differentiate itself among this competitive landscape and, and really establish a unique position in order to gain traction? Right, right. Great, great question, especially in the middle of a crypto winter. So the way I think about differentiation amidst uh, all of Web3 and maybe even just generally startups in general is how you think about your foundations, right? So, so Atlas, I think, has been very blessed with a couple of unique selling points that I think many Web3 companies don't have. And that's what uh, sort of has kept us going uh, amidst the chaos. The first is we try to build a company that lasts, right? So I think a lot of Web3 companies, they call themselves projects, right? Uh, Web3 projects. And I think they, they, they're not very long-term focused. They do token emissions very aggressively. Uh, they're frequently undoxed, right? Meaning um, they don't show their real identity, right? They're just like a profile pic somewhere and they don't reveal their real name or their, or their, their real face. And more importantly, I think it's it's a lot of like hype and pump and dump, right? It's like, let's get this, let's launch a token, let's launch an NFT project, let's get it to spike in price, and then, you know, let's figure out what comes after that, right? 
but you know, the way Atlas thinks about it is we, we kind of think about building companies the way successful companies like Google or Grab uh, or Facebook have, which is like, think about the unit economics, think about what, where you're raising money from and think about how you could actually get this company going further, right? So the first thing we do is we actually have a very mature leadership edge, right? Uh, myself, my co-founders uh, all have uh, fan backgrounds. Uh, we've also built companies. Uh, my entire leadership bench is also uh, doxxed, meaning uh, we, we actually have our faces out in the media. Uh, we have raised money from reputable VCs. Like th th there is no hiding our tracks, right? We, we, we want to be known because we think that credibility is built when people can uh, stand in the sunlight and actually survive, right? The second thing is we've also, because we've been just a lot more prudent about thinking about financials and unit economics and revenue, we've also at least survived till this point, right? I think in, in the last sort of 12 to 18 months, many companies, many Web3 companies have just like folded up, right? They just got, up, guess it's not working. And then they just moved on. Also because the cost of them switch moving on is so low. If you don't show your face, if you don't show your, your name, uh, you're collecting money from anonymous people. It's easy for you to just like, stand up and walk away, right? And so, so I think that that bit around credibility and survival is, is also something that I think uh, uniquely positions Atlas versus, you know, a, a good chunk of other startups in the market. And the last bit, I think, is uh, we, we emphasize on building infrastructure, right? So, so throughout this entire journey that Atlas has been in uh, since uh, early 2021, we've really just focused on building infrastructure, right? Uh, our mission is to disrupt the games industry to be the next, to be the epic games or the valve of Web3. And that means you've got to build something of value, right? You've got to show people that you're bringing something to the table and that you are fundamentally changing the gaming experience that people have. And so if building infrastructure, building games, really focus on the concept of delivering value versus of, you know, marketing hype or pump and dumps or just like speculative token launches. Right. So um, there, there are two directions that I want to go right now, but maybe let me just focus on one first. So the, the mm -hmm. one I'd like to focus on is you mentioned about building to last, you know, showing your identity and the idea of tokens. So could you share more about the revenue and monetization aspect of things? You know, how, how does Atlas hope to monetize the product, you know, to ensure that it's sustainable? And how does mm. tokenization of tokens, what role does it play in this um, monetization process? Right, right, right. So I think we have so, two levels of monetization, right? The first is classically uh, this idea that entertainment, if fun, users are willing to pay for, right? Whether it's watch a movie, download a song, or pay for an item inside a game, right? And so we emphasize a lot on just building entertainment that people enjoy and would be willing to pay money for, whether it's in the form of watching ads or in-app purchases. And to date, two of our games, uh, two of our flagship games are actually contribution margin positive, right? Which, you know, basically means um, uh, we are we are net break-even on variable costs, right? And of course, we, we are not quite at EBITDA break-even yet, but, you know, we're getting there, right? And this, I think, is already a massive achievement compared to, you know, some of the games launched uh, in the Web3 space where the, there is no monetization model, right? It's just like, uh, you hope that the token price goes up and you hope that somebody buys and that they become your, your exit liquidity, right? Which I think isn't a unit economics, right? It's essentially a pyramid scheme. 
So that, that's sort of layer one of monetization. The, the second layer of monetization is this idea that we can use our token uh, ELS, uh, which is uh, you know, launching uh, in, in about uh, three weeks time. We can use it as an ecosystem currency to facilitate the growth of uh, the, the overall ecosystem, right? What do I mean by that? If you own an ELS token, it gives you uh, a discount, a membership discount when you buy items for our games, right? And, and so uh, you can use that as, in, as a way of, uh, of, of swapping for uh, a digital currency within a game, right? So that's why. Alternatively, uh, we also launch a lot of infrastructure products, right? You know, an anti-fraud solution, a login solution, uh, a payment solution, et cetera, et cetera, to help, you know, other studios build games better in Web3. And these, you can pay for the annual monthly subscription with our token, right? Which is ELS, right? And so the, the, the token benefits from just being an, an actual currency that actually does something within our ecosystem. But more importantly, it facilitates the, the unit economics or the revenue models of well-tested uh, and, and very, very profitable businesses like, you know, game studio business, meaning uh, in-app purchases or ads, or just like software services, right? Where people are paying for a service rendered. And, and these to me are evergreen business model, right? These are things that people would pay for and uh, they, they aren't just, you know, pump and dump schemes. So that's kind of how we do about monetization. Right. So I think one then one important aspect of this monetization is you will need a user base. So um, I would like to tackle mm -hmm. this in three different stakeholders, but maybe just the first one. So your Discord server boasts an impressive membership. You have over like close to 49,000 members. So maybe can you share how did you gain this large amount of um, community or user base within your community? Right. So our, our community is, is 49,000. That, that's, that's correct. Uh, but I think it's a mix of... Um, people from like the play to earn era uh, you know, back in crypto summer and sort of the new stock users that we've uh, attracted recently, right? So what I mean by that is the initial search of Discord users was when game five summer was hot, right? That, that was when everybody wanted to you know, play to earn, people wanted to, to earn tokens and then sell it. And, and Atlas also had a, a short stint in that world, right? And, and so I think that was our first spike of users. And those users, um, some of them have churned after we've sort of moved into this sustainable unit economics world. But some of the loyal ones understand the need for sustainable unit economics uh, to sort of have a long runway, right? And so they in turn uh, become more loyal, right? They stick around to see the journey. They believe in what we build, et cetera, et cetera. The second cohort of users that have uh, become sort of loyal Atlas fans are those who want to see the next generation of gaming experiences, right? So, you know, they're either attracted by our games we've built so far, or they've read our white paper and they're interested in what we do, or maybe they're they are just, you know, uh, DJs, right? Sort of like DeFi or NFT DJs who just uh, are looking for cool projects uh, or, or cool companies that they, they could uh, follow on with. And, and these are the class of people who uh, believe that, you know, what Epic Games did for web two games back in the 90s, it's ripe for disruption today, right? And so they are, they are just punting on companies who seem to have the ambition and the skill set to want to drive that forward. So that, that I think is the, the makeup of our Discord community and also our Twitter following, if you will. Right.
the first spike came from the when everyone was quite hyped about the entire uh game five thing. But how do you then build that community? Like do you what platforms do you use, you know, um which like how do you get people to even know of Atlas in the first place? Right. So I don't think we're doing anything more unique than what other you know entertainment companies do. So we we have we have a channel of web free socials. So this would be things like Twitter. This would be things like Discord. So you do you know you do uh, AMAs right. You do Spaces uh, on Twitter. Uh, you uh, have uh, PR announcements with other web three projects that that uh, are like minded. So so that's how we we attract people who are web three savvy. And for the people who are web two savvy. Uh, we go with more traditional uh, social channels, right? So I'm talking about TikTok, I'm talking about Facebook groups, I'm talking about Instagram, uh, and the likes, right? And so there, you try to market the game instead of the Web3 elements, right? Because end of the day, Web2, Web2 cohorts or Web2 demographics, they come in for the game. And then later on, maybe you can slowly ease them into the Web3 or the crypto journey, but not before that. Right, right, got it. So there's different... Um, type of content or engagement channels mm. or two different okay. I, I would say the, the crux of what we sell is always the same but the approach like what you lead with is very different gotcha gotcha so on the same um, idea of building traction I'd like to understand because with the current economic climate you know it's pretty bad for, for the job market out there how do you then attract talent like developers talented developers and builders to join you in building out the Atlas uh, platform and the Atlas products? Mm, great question. So as is with every startup, we don't have the highest pay or the largest set of benefits, right? And I know I've been on both sides of that equation before. So, so I would know this stuff uh, quite intimately. So usually the people who succeed in startups, and, and it is also true for Atlas, are people who are attracted to one of two things. The first is they want to work with great talent, right? They they either they go, look, I want to work with I want to work in a small company with a A star team, and I want to have the flexibility to uh, learn and grow rapidly, right? Basically, great talent wants to work with great talent, right? So, so that's usually one way we attract people, just because uh, as I mentioned before our leadership team is actually very seasoned and very strong, right? So people look at that and they go, I want to learn from these guys. The second thing is Atlas attracts people who have a high propensity for growth, right? So if, if let's say we have a young person, you know, fresh grad or just a couple of years of experience in the, in, in, in the workforce, who realize that if they stay in a big company, they would probably become CTO or CPO or CFO in you know, 20 years, right? But if they take a bet on a startup and it works, uh, you know, it is an accelerated journey, right? I think, you know, uh, the, the TikTok CEO, Chu, is a great example, right? He was uh, in a PE firm or a VC firm. Uh, he took a plunge to, be, uh, to join Xiaomi and he got promoted to be CFO of Xiaomi. Right. And after he was the CFO of Xiaomi, he then became, uh, he joined TikTok and today he's the CEO of TikTok. Right. And you know, the guy is young, right? He's like early 40s max. And let's just say that if he had joined Google at the, the stage of where Google is today, 
he would be nowhere close to be the CFO today, right? And so, so that, that accelerated journey is usually itself sort of attracting point for people, for strong talent joining startups like Ethos. And if I sort of look back on all the great talent uh, in Ethos, they, they join for one of these two reasons. Right. And maybe the final stakeholders that I would like to look at and gain traction would be the other game studios or the other businesses that you mentioned earlier. You know, how do you then attract them to, you know, use the platform and the, 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 the infrastructure that you have built up? Mm. So a lot of it is predicated on delivering value. All projects, all companies in Web3 or in startup land today, they all struggle with one key thing, right? Because of the recession, which is growth, right? People want to show value to their user base. They want to show traction uh, and utility uh, to their investors. And so what Atlas promises is we don't engage people in just talking and talking and talking, right? We just go, hey, look, we've built a bunch of stuff. Some of them might be valuable to you. Uh, let us know, right? And if they're not valuable to you, tell us what you would like to see and let's partner. On, on adding value because I believe that the best partnerships comes from this concept of adding value to other people, right? Like you got to add value to them, they got to add value to you. And that's how it becomes a partnership. And so a lot of our partnerships or our ecosystem plays have just been on this simple concept of adding value. Right. So I, I see now that like there's this like, there's a different approach to being traction for different stakeholders, but at the end of the day, it boils down to building value for all of them. So like for the users, you know, creating a community, creating something that, you know, they can gain and move their assets that they earn in one game to another for developers or builders, you know, it is to accelerate their career journey and to build something cool. And lastly, for mm -hmm. businesses like the game studios, um, it is more of providing them value to help them value add to their business um, and, and helping them grow their business, right? So, so the, the team mm. really resonates uh, throughout all your different stakeholders. So, I think so. I think so. I, I think adding value is the common denominator, uh, mm. regardless of which, which, uh, which uh, stakeholder you're talking about. Gotcha. As we move towards the end of our podcast, um, as a startup founder in the Web3 gaming space or, or just the Web3 space in general, you know, are there any resources such as books or articles that you would recommend to our audience, particularly those interested in building a startup? Might not be in a Web3 startup, but maybe a startup in general. And maybe if you have any interesting resources for the Web3 space, that would be great as well. Okay. So I... I believe deeply uh, in experiential learning, right? I, I think books and, and, and you know, uh, podcasts are great uh, to sort of get a whiff of how things are and to get inspired, but you really only know if you uh, try, right? So if you are a fresh grad, um, I encourage you to just do an internship, right? Maybe an unpaid internship uh, with a startup and just like really see for yourself, right? will you like that journey, right? Do you enjoy the day-to-day? -day? And do it in a company that you respect or you know is doing well or doing things the way you would do it if you were them, right? So that like someone else is paying for your tuition, essentially, right? And I think that that is, is valuable. For those who are mid-career, I actually think the best time to do it is after gaining some, some experience and some connections because it really accelerates your journey, right? If let's say you've spent a couple of years uh, in the big tech, you get to know some of the, the network, 
you get to know some of the people who are uh, both writing checks or receiving checks. And more importantly, you can build a reputation for yourself, right? And, and so that I think brings you quite far in the startup journey. And lastly, I go um, get a mentor, right? I think a mentor figure who's sought in the startup space is invaluable for anybody who wants to do a startup because sometimes there is a bit of an echo chamber, right? You're just like thinking about things yourself, don't know your blind spots. And, and having a mentor just goes, look, I've kind of been in your position. I know what it feels. Here's the three things I'll think about, right? That, that really sort of opens up uh, your horizon. Right? And, and if you really want to read a book, you know, my personal favorite sort of startup book is uh, Peter Thiel's Zero to One, right? I think that, that's a good short read on startups, but nothing beats uh, just getting your hands dirty, right? That's my advice to, to, to anybody. So the experiential learning aspect, it's very important for people to really know um, what they want to do, um, both yes. for professionals and mid-professionals. So That's correct. That's correct. And you know, it comes from this place where you know, the number of people who told me they want to do a startup and, and, and tell me, and I asked them, what's a startup? And they just romanticize the entire concept. Right? I'm just like, no, that's not a startup. That's a startup in your mind, right? Like you, 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 uh, you are clearly sort of maybe not not fully recognizing what a startup is uh, in reality, right? And I think so experiencing it helps with that a lot. Right. So as we conclude the podcast, um, you know, we're definitely eager to learn more about Atlas future plans and, and maybe some upcoming developments that the Atlas will have. So what can we expect from Atlas in the coming months? Okay. Uh, without, without maybe sharing too much confidential stuff, uh, the first one, obviously, is our token launch. So the, the Atlas Governance Token, uh, or ELS, is launching uh, on uh, June 28th, which is a little under a month from now. And it is the token that our investors bought into. Uh, you know, our investors include the likes of Sequoia, the likes of Dragonfly, the likes of Makers, uh, and you know, uh, it, uh, even Grab, I think, put a, put a little bit of money in, in Atlas. And... And what the token does is it's the ecosystem currency that governs uh, how we build out this disruption in the gaming industry, right? So think about uh, holding the token, you can use it to buy currency in-game. Uh, eventually, when we have a marketplace, that's also where you trade. So think, think of the Steam marketplace, but you know, fully decentralized, right? Um, and also, we are launching a brand new games vertical uh, where we focus on infrastructure, right? The, the entire vertical is called Atlas Web Tree Services. Uh, what we do is we take parts of what we've built to date, uh, supporting our own games uh, or supporting our own needs to essentially uh, supporting other companies who are building on this, right? So the, the analogy to this is how Amazon.com uh, built such a great uh, marketplace that they took out pieces of it and built AWS, right? And so uh, we are excited uh, to partner with other projects to essentially uh, have them use our infrastructure and build on top of that so that they can uh, maybe uh, not have to repeat some of the, the, the lessons we had to learn the hard way, right? And of course, all of that ties into the ELS token once again. So that's, I think, that the two, two big uh, soft unveils I can share. And we actually do have more games in the pipeline. Uh, happy to share about them at a later time. 
Right, so I guess Atlas is in a really very exciting stage of the journey right now with these two big launches and, and developments. So thank you so much uh, for sharing your valuable insights on this podcast and giving us an introduction into the Web3 space and all the best for Atlas Wave. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, do leave a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll see you on the next episode.